Hey guys, welcome back to Chop for Time. I am here in the First Church studio slash closet. Uh, I'm joined today by my friend, Andrew Wolf. It's uh, it's a different voice you're going to be hearing in just a few minutes than Jesse Martin. But uh, Andrew, welcome. Thanks for Thank helping so us much. out here. And uh, just give us a little bit of an introduction. Who are you? Why are you here? What's going on? Well, uh, my name is Andrew Wolf. Um, I... I don't really know exactly why I was invited here. I'm good friends. I've known Ben for years. I've known him for years, um, and I've really been able to just um, interact with him and work alongside him uh, with a lot of ministry, especially at camps, yeah. and um, yeah. just being able to get to know him. Um, my a lot wife, of people are worried. I can sense some anxiety here yeah, because if I make an ask of people, they're just like, okay, what's the catch? Yeah, what's like, going why on am here? I here? But um, no, I, um, I've, I've known Ben a lot throughout the years, and I've been able to talk to him. He's been able to like teach me a lot of just a lot of stuff, and I'm grateful for that. Um, a lot of people might know my wife better than me, honestly, uh, with First Church, but uh, uh, Emily Wolf, she does, you know, Worship, but uh, I'm I'm glad to be included here, just the same. But um, I, I'm I'm not here really to talk about myself. I would like to hear about you and your sermon, and exactly how you came up through this process. And if you give us like a quick summarize of it, then that would be really cool. Sure. Yeah, we um, we started in you know the first Sunday in January. Uh, we're taking a look at who we are as a church and. You know, I kind of started with a little bit of an introduction for the church because 2019 uh, for First Church was really an interesting year. Uh, you know, it was there was a lot of transition, uh, there was a lot of new roles, new faces. Um, you know, early in the year, um, you know, had a resignation. Uh, we entered into a new you know senior minister search. They placed you know right in the month of February they placed me as the interim pastor, which uh, you know some of them may second guess that now. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, and then went into the process of hiring a new pastor, which they graciously extended that offer to me. Uh, during that time, in that window, though, we had a youth pastor and a children's minister resign. Um, you know. And going off, starting their own church, doing well in the Ashland area now. But um, you know, as soon as I was hired on, we hired a youth pastor, then filled a children's ministry position, and um, you know, then you have this process of everyone kind of finding and figuring out their roles, and yep. um, you know how we work together as a team, and. You know, so 2019 was just interesting. But the beautiful part about it is we look back on it and we see 14 salvations, 14 baptisms through the year. We had around 20 rededications. Uh, you can look back and see ministry happening not only in our church but all throughout the community. Uh, and it's just really a testimony of God's grace mm -hmm. and His goodness right. uh, that <laughs> even with almost a full year of me at the helm, <laughs> good things were happening. Yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> so if that's not a testimony to God's grace and His goodness, then yeah. I don't know what is. But saying that about 2019, we wanted to take 2020. I'm not one that believes that there's like some big cosmic clock or mystical calendar that flips over in heaven at the beginning of each new year and God's like, oh, okay, now, you know, yeah. now this can happen. But I do think that there are times and moments where we really have to recalibrate mm. uh, our vision, who we are, what our values are, and, and what we stand for as a church. And that's kind of what we started doing on Sunday. And we started with the message of who we are 
restoration is our message. You know, the good news of the gospel, Christ coming, being the sacrifice for us, being that redeemer and that restorer of our relationship to God after thousands, man had tried for thousands of years to try to bridge that chasm ourselves, right. and we failed miserably at it. And if you ever want to see evidence of that, read the Old Testament, right. because that's the whole story <laughs> oh, of yeah. that, of man <laughs> trying to be good enough and falling on our face every time. Right. Uh, so we, th- we're we taking a little bit of a different approach stylistically, I guess, in the way that this and these messages will be presented, uh, it's almost in storytelling form. But there's sometimes that I think that just examining the story of the scripture and telling the story of the scripture, maybe with a little bit more of a cultural background and a cultural impact at that time, really helps us to understand the story, you know, a little yeah. bit better. And what we did was we took a look at the parable of the prodigal son um, and went back and gave a little bit of context for that, why Jesus was telling this story. And if you, uh, you know, here, here we are in the middle of a parable and the parable is just simply a story. You know, it's just Jesus telling a story. So this is not an actual e- event that's taking place right, uh, right, yeah. that's, that's happening real time in Scripture. This is Jesus telling a story. And the backdrop for this is at the beginning we were in Luke 15. And at the beginning of it, Jesus, uh, he'd started doing some miracles. He'd started doing some things that were upsetting the religious leaders of the day. And he started having a target on his back. So they kind of started following him, looking for things to bring charges against him. They were trying to kill him. Right. They were trying to arrest him. They were trying to do whatever they could to get rid of this guy. Right. And the beginning of chapter 15 in Luke says that he was eating with tax collectors and sinners who during that, in that culture, in that society, were the lowest of the lows, basically. You know, they were Gentiles. They weren't Jews. They weren't of the preferred religious background. Uh, so they were just made up of all kinds of different cultures, all, type, all types of different ethnicities and backgrounds and beliefs. And here, this guy who's claiming to be the Messiah is keeping company with these people right. <laughs> and uh, the scribes and the Pharisees and all the, you know, the religious leaders really started questioning Jesus, trying to catch him up in this. So this is his response. Uh, he tells three different parables or three different stories in this section. One is about the lost sheep. You know, if you, if someone has a hundred sheep and loses one, does he not leave the 99 and go after the one, seek after the one and then rejoices when it's found and he's able to bring it back. Then he tells a story about a, a woman with her lost coin. And doesn't she light a lamp and look underneath everything she has until this lost coin is found? And then he moves into the story of the prodigal son. And and really, the all three of these stories give us this idea. The big idea is people matter to God. You know, sinners, saint, lost, found, redeemed, unredeemed, whatever, people matter to God. No matter where they're at, what condition they're in, what their history is, what their past is, what offenses they've had, uh, what level of society that they're on, people simply matter to God. So we told this story about the prodigal son, uh, about how he came, he was the youngest son, how he came to the father and the 
he said, hey, I, I want my inheritance now. I want what's owed to me now. And while this would be offensive to us, even today in that culture, this was about the biggest slap in the face that the father could have possibly received because this is the message of this is basically, I wish you were dead. I'm so miserable right. here. This place is so terrible. Um, and, and the kid had to be a teenager. No, I'm just yeah, like, <laughs> there's no way he wasn't. Yet. <laughs> right. There's just no way it's not happening that way. But he he basically looks at his father and says, man, I'm just so miserable here. I wish you were dead. And I want what's supposed to come to me when you do die. I want it now, and I want to leave. Um, so the father says, okay, which, interestingly enough, in that culture would have brought shame on the father. Uh, giving of an inheritance before it was time to give an inheritance was a shameful act in this culture. So we see from the very beginning a picture of a father who is willing to take shame onto himself for his children. Um, and, you know, the, the roles in this, there's three main players in this parable. You have the prodigal son, which at some point in our lives, all of us have been. Yep. You have the very judgmental, self-righteous older brother, which at, at some, some point, point all of us, us have been. <laughs> and then you have the extravagant father, which is a designation only to God. So I'm, I made that clear in yeah. the message that, listen, at no point do I even want you to think that I'm suggesting suggesting that we play the role of the Father, because we don't. That's God's. <laughs> yeah, that's his role and his alone. Right. Um, so he it says that the, the younger son goes off to a faraway land. He lives it up, uh, goes through all of his money, and at the time that he's found that he's wasted all of his inheritance on sin, a famine hits the land. He finds himself having to get a real job, and he hires himself out to a farmer who sends the younger son off to take care of his pigs. And if you've ever spent, whether you've ever been a hog farmer or spent time around hog, if you have just even stepped foot onto a hog farm, even the best managed, well-kept oh, yeah. hog facilities are nasty. Awful. <laughs> I mean, it is just grotesque, man. And he finds himself caring for hogs, and he's getting so hungry that he's actually desiring the pods or the hog, <laughs> hog slop, which is beyond nasty in its own right. And then that's what he begins to fill his belly with, and he's wallowing in this pigsty, and it's just... Oh. <laughs> It's just great, absolutely nasty. great imagery used by Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and that's just one of those those things that um, just should make us think about oh, yeah. our state away from the Father. Mm -hmm. But it, I think it's verse seventeen where he has this coming to his senses moment. Is you know, different translations word it differently, but he ba it basically says he came to himself, or he came <laughs> to his right. senses, and he recognized that. Man, even even the hired people in my father's house have it better than what I have it right now. So he considers this, and he comes up with this big. He rehearses basically, and I you know I shared an incident of when I got in trouble, you know, when I was growing up, and it was a bird's fault. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> right, no, it can, no. It's never my fault. Um, but 
the whole walk home because I ended up breaking a neighbor's window with the baseball is what happened. The whole walk home, I am rehearsing my spiel over and over and over and over again in my head. And, you know, I also shared that the phrase that maybe struck the most fear to the very core of my being when I was growing up was the statement of, wait till your dad gets home. Oh, yeah. And that was just, it's still to this day. I'm kind of looking over it like, (laughs) so, you know, I can just see this taking place in this young man's life because here he decides to go home on this long journey and he's going to make, you know, rest. He's going to apologize. Um, and, and that's kind of, you know, we, we got into the story, the reception of the father, and that's where things get really interesting. But as far as scripturally, it says that the father was looking for him. He saw him from afar off and he went to him. He embraced him. He kissed him. He put the finest robe on him. He put the, the signet ring back on his feet and he put shoes on his feet so this is, you know, restoration is our message because it's Jesus's message. Right. That's there's no compromising that, uh, and that's what I challenge the church with is like, listen, as we move forward, as we become what God wants us to be in this season, we can never ever compromise the message of restoration. That has to be paramount in what we're all about. That we are a church that preaches reconciliation, restoration, and the good news of the gospel of redemption through Jesus Christ. Right. So I think that's a that's an amazing message. And um, honestly, Luke 15 was actually the message that really kind of brought me to Christ. Since I, I didn't grow up in like a Christian home, really what, what, what hit my kind of like shattered my hardened heart was this message of the prodigal son and the father's acceptance of him. And so I, I'm not going to lie. I've, I've, heard, I've heard this uh, passage enough times, and I, I found myself actually getting tired of it at one point. But every single time I feel like I'm getting tired of it, I'm always reminded that there's always more to learn. Mm-hmm. And there's always more to get out of it. And so um, as I was listening to, as I was re-listening uh, to this message and seeing how you kind of, you know, you, you, you did explain the prodigal son, uh, the younger brother and the older brother, you know, both those ends. And I found myself being at both those ends. And I was like, I was always confused as to why I was like, man, I don't know why I can't relate to the father at all in that situation. And then it's like, well, it's not your, it's not your role to relate to. And so uh, I I wanted to ask you what kind of opened the doors for you to kind of realize that. Is that just kind of like through your ministry experience or just like what opened to understand that this isn't my role where I can accept because it's only God's. I think ministry experience does play a part in that, but I think also the understanding of our restoration and our redemption to him, because here's how this passage is preached so often, is it's, and I read a an article at the end of the message, and if you haven't listened to the message, I encourage you to go back and listen to it uh, and listen to that article that I closed it with because the, the gentleman writes an article about how we're supposed to preach this passage. And he said, so often it's preached as a pigsty gospel plan mm. that the turning point, we preach that the turning point in this message, in this passage, is when the son comes to himself. 
and then straps up, you know, picks himself up, straps up these boot laces, decides something needs to change, and boom, that's the moment when, when this, this story turns. And that's not when the story turns at all. It's the moment of the embrace of the Father. Mm. Because the, we, can, we can recognize our sin all we want to. We can be sorry for our sin all we want to. But until we come to a place of repentance, there's nothing we can't try hard enough. We can't think more about it. We can't, you know, focus in more on not doing wrong enough to earn repentance. Again, that's Old Testament stuff. Yep. It's in the moment of the embrace of the Father. Because the Son could have come up with the most elaborate spiel and sorry speech that he wanted to. And he w- that wouldn't have brought him restoration. But it was in the moment of the embrace of the Father when his repentance was evident. When he yeah. came to the Father, he was repentant and embraced. That's when the story changes. And you and I, none of us, have that capability. We don't have that capability. We can embrace people, oh, yeah. but we can't provide them restoration. We can't provide them redemption. We cannot provide that turning point in their story. It's God and God alone who provides that. So that's where that perspective came from of we're not God in the story. We're not the Father in this story. Now, we can embrace people. We can be willing to bring people back into our fellowship and into our lives. But as far as from a repentance and a restoration standpoint, it's not about us at all. So that, that's kind of where that perception came from and that perspective of the story. Right. I think that's awesome. And um, kind, of, kind of being like vulnerable in this moment of just really when I was listening to it again, um, I, I kind of the, – the way I kind of carry myself and have these expectations spiritually for myself, um, they kind of overwhelm just that kind of interaction with God in general. Like I, I do sometimes kind of trick my mind or Satan tries to get in my head and be like, you know, you, you have to do these things on your own before you can even step foot, before the Father can even see you. And to listen to this message again, and I'm just going to brag on my wife because I love her so much, yeah. and she's, uh, she's a vessel to me in, in such a powerful way. And, you know, we were sitting we were, last night, you know, we were talking, and she was just asking me about how I was doing because she had noticed that I had kind of like, not I, I was just kind of like falling short spiritually a little bit, and that that's okay because that happens. Mm-hmm. And you know she was asking me these questions, and she kind of she got me with one, and I was like, I, it was one of the ones where I was like, I was like, oh, I understand this now. And she um, she basically she was basically asking me like, you know, what do you think you have to do to, you know be successful in this ministry in, in spirit, your spirituality or spiritual life. And I was like, well, um, I feel like I just have to really put myself out there and do more. And she's like, why wouldn't you want, like, why won't you accept that God's there with you? You mm-hmm. know, I was like, well, shoot, I don't know why I don't do that. And it's just like one of the things, re- I, like I said, I was listening to this again, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's that. You know, I have to finally accept I'm not going to have everything together, and yeah. I'm not going to have everything perfect. And the God doesn't care, and he, he sees me from afar, and his arms are still wide open. And that's the thing that really hit me about your message, and because I've heard it 
so many times I, I have, and I never get, I really never get tired of it now because mm-hmm. it's just like I learn so much more and more about the Father's love for His people. And you're right, people matter to God. Mm-hmm. You know, and if people matter to God, then that, that should reflect through us as vessels. Yeah. You know, people matter to us, mm-hmm. to the church. You know, not necessarily like uh, first church, but just like worldwide, the yeah. body. The body of Christ, and, and we're I, you know we're all aware of our sins. Oh yeah, we're all aware of the stink and how much we reek. Uh, you know, and so many times we fall into that mindset of I at least have to get cleaned up in portion. I mean, just imagine the smell of this young man yeah. for a moment. I mean, <laughs> he'd been eating the stuff, he'd been wallowing with them, and he'd been on a long journey in the Middle East. There weren't, there weren't, yeah, yeah. there weren't rest areas. There weren't travel centers where you could stop and clean up. I mean, this young man was beyond filthy, but yet the father was looking for him, and the father embraced him and kissed him just as he was. So that's a message for sinners to understand that there's there's nothing you can do to clean yourself up other than respond to the calling of God on your heart. That's what you can do mm-hmm. is receive his calling. Right. Um, and then there's there's no amount of cleaning yourself up. There's no amount of brushing this off. Well, I could at least brush my teeth. You know, I mean, that's a philosophy. Right. <laughs> if being real, that's a philosophy that a lot of us have, especially if I get up first thing in the morning, have to make a trip to the grocery store for, you know, the house. I'm just like, man, I'm going to throw a hat on, throw some clothes on, but I'm at, at least, least going to brush, brush my, my teeth. teeth. <laughs> um, so... You know, we see this, that's the message for sinners. But I think there's another really important message for those of us who are believers. We all struggle with sin. We we continue to struggle with sin and a fleshly nature. So there's a message in here for us as well, because I think that sometimes we try to compartmentalize our sin Mm. as to when we sin, we sin apart from God. And then we come back to God. Mm. We're still there. We're still there. And there's repentance. There's an ongoing repentance. Exactly. It's not just a one-time repentant thing. It is an, a lifestyle of an ongoing repentance thing. And 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 to me, that's that's a powerful thing because you know that's like going back to that article. We we have to understand what type of message that we are we are proclaiming out of this passage, um, because being a Christian is more than behavior modification. And the sad part is is there are a lot of a lot of pulpits that are doing they are proclaiming behavior modification and they will tag on the name of Jesus mm-hmm. into the behavior modification which is, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with improving yourself. So I don't want anybody to understand me to, you know, work hard you know, take do, you know, take your vitamins, go Hulk Hogan around, you know, say your <laughs> yeah. prayers, brother. You know, I, there's nothing wrong with that. But when those, us bettering ourselves become the source of our salvation, then we've missed it. We've missed it completely because the source of the salvation is found only in the Father through the Son. And and that's that's really the whole message of this here. Yeah. I, I just like reading through Scripture sometimes and just seeing – uh, disciples and apostles, when like whenever they write their books, or especially with Paul, you know, like their vulnerability, being like, "Man, I, I hate the things that I do, actually do, mm-hmm. and I don't, I, I don't do the things that I want to do." Yeah. And it's just like that. Re- that there reminds me. I, I love like talking about Paul. I could do it like all day, but I won't. But it's just like that. That there reminds us, like 
even the most, like maybe the most profound missionary, you mm-hmm. know, ever, literally called, by, like directly called by Jesus. It's like, Jesus being like, okay, you're going to go talk to like my people. You're going to like spread the gospel to the Gentiles. Even he struggled, mm-hmm. you know, and even he was like, man, I wish I didn't do the things I do. But even though I do things, you know, I'm ashamed of at the same time, you're right, that that this that constant kind of re- like repentance is there. Like the Father is there with you. Mm-hmm. Even th- and even through those things, you know, he'll look at you and be like, you're my child. I accept you. Repent, obviously, yeah. but like, yeah. you know, I'm here with you. I will walk through this with you yeah. together. Yeah. Like Such side a- by side, not necessarily like... It's not, I said I don't have that separation of distance anymore. It's just like you're up with him, still <laughs> yeah. embracing him. You yeah. know, he's still embr- or he's still embracing you, and he's just there, and he's just like accepting. And that, and I think that's the thing that I struggle with a lot because you know just some personal things down down my road, down my lifetime that have occurred. But that's that that's something that I need to be reminded of. Yeah. And so I, I'm I'm grateful for that message because it's just like. The more I think about it, the more I kind of rewind through my mind about it. It's like, wow, like that is a father's love. Yeah. And really, you know, all of the Bibles that have sections and titles, this this parable is known as the parable of the prodigal son or the lost son. And really, in my mind, it's more accurate. The title should be the parable of the extravagant father. Yep. Something, you know, something like that. So as we as we kind of wrap up uh, what we've been talking about here, is there anything that you like had to cut out for your message, or that you wish you could have put into it more? Or? Yeah, there. You know, I approach this, you know, kind of from a storytelling aspect of what I told the congregation is I really tried to put myself in the headspace of me being there, watching this interaction mm. between Jesus and the Pharisees, not in the story itself, but in this real time happening of Jesus responding to the religious leaders accusations with these parables and I think I think it would have been fascinating because at the beginning of this and and really the things that I had to to leave out I went a little bit into the cultural implications and some of the behaviors at the time what that would have meant and that I won't go into right now but if you get a chance and haven't listened to the message go back and listen to it because it's fascinating cultural stuff but I think it would have been such an interesting dynamic to see the scribes and the Pharisees and the other religious leaders' reactions as Jesus tells this story about this young son. Because I think the first half of it, they would have been all on board with it. I think that they would have been cheering Jesus. Yep. Because here they would have been absolutely disgraced and appalled by this young man wanting his inheritance and bringing shame upon the father. And then whenever he gets to the place that he's in the pigsty, I think they would have been like, yeah, that's what that little punk deserves. You know, that, <laughs> right. that's, that's what he should get right there. And then when he's eating, they're like, yeah, that's exactly what he needs to get. And then when he comes to his senses and he decides he needs to go back, that's exactly what needs to happen. And culturally, the father wouldn't have had to he was no way bound to receive the son back in. Mm. He could have said no. So I think that all the way up until the point where it says that the father went running and embraced and kissed him, I think at that point, at that point, I think the mouths that were cheering 
on this story from the scribes and the Pharisees turned to jaws dropping yep. on the floor. Yep. So I think that that would have been a fascinating story an event to watch. And again, I always say, I hope that there's some type of streaming service in heaven when we get there because, you know, and and we won't care when we get there, obviously. We're going to be too consumed with the glory and worshiping God. But in my mind, I'm going, I hope there's some kind of streaming service because this is one of those that I want to fast forward through everything and go to that chapter in this whole movie of the history of time and go, I want want to see this dialogue. I want to see how they're, because I really think that the religious leaders were like, get them, Jesus. Yeah, this is exactly. And and maybe they were even thinking, this guy doesn't even know what he's talking about. He's getting ready to set himself up, and he's he's laying it right out here. We yeah. get, This is our moment. And then all of a sudden he does that, and just like you can hear the record screech. You're, yeah. And everything <laughs> stops, and it, the whole story just turned in that moment. And I would have loved to seen the expressions on the, on the religious yep. leader's face of just this bewilderment, astonishment, and just going, okay, that was a plot twist we didn't see coming. So that that just right. fascinates me. Um, but guys, thank you for joining us uh, for this episode of Chop for Time. Uh, if you're in the area, you don't have a church that you attend, we would love to see you uh, Sunday morning at 1030. Our next message in this look at who we are is... People are our heart. And we're going to be looking at another New Testament story that involves Jesus to show us maybe what that can look like in our lives. But if you if you would like more information, want to just check us out, kind of feel us out a little bit, you can call into the office, 474-5464. You can go to our website. That's a little bit easier of a way to kind of check us out. That's fccgrayson.com or find us anywhere on social media. Drew? Thank you, my friend, for coming in and Absolutely. sitting here in the uh, fancified studio <laughs> closet here at FCC, Grayson. Yeah, thank I've... you so much for having me. It was right. an honor. All right. Until next time, guys, be blessed.